Today's episode of The Full Nerd is sponsored by SK Hynix, the maker of fastest-in-class SSDs. SK Hynix developed the world's first 120-layer NAND-based consumer SSD and is the world's second-largest memory manufacturer. I always mess it up. Uh, but what really sets them apart is incredible performance at affordable prices, surprising power efficiency, and five-year warranties. Uh, in fact, SK Hynix makes PC World's top picks for the best all-around SSD and best NVMe SSD. Grab the gold P31 or S31 on Amazon and give your PC a big upgrade today. In this episode of The Full Nerd, Ryzen 5000 Mobile and Ampere Mobile. Welcome to The Full Nerd, episode 165. I'm your host, Gordon Mong, with co-host Brad Charkas. Hello, Internet. Elena is not here today, unfortunately, but we do have Adam controlling the vertical and horizontal. Yeah, we, we have a, a lot of news, uh, a lot of laptop news, uh, not, not a, a ton of, of desktop stuff, but, you know, because desktop stuff is so hard to come by right now, I think a lot of people <laughs> yeah. should probably be, you know, eyeing some laptop stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said in the pre-show, uh, d- don't go out and buy a laptop till you heard or read Gordon's reviews. Uh, so, Gordon, mm-hmm. why don't we just dive right into it with Ryzen 5000 Mobile. Uh, sure. So the details the big thing is of course zen 3 cores were which were a smash hit for the few people who bought were able to buy the things <laughs> now moved into laptop this is amd's fastest transition from desktop to having a laptop version out um it definitely took a lot longer when we saw Ryzen 4000 which was arguably the best uh amd cpu ever and of course zen 3 is even better. Uh, in a nutshell, it's pretty much like Zen 3. The base CCD, instead of being two four-core condos separated with the wall between them and that yard and to say there's a pool on each side, they now have a, an, a base eight-core CCD, and you go from eight megs of L3 cache on Ryzen 4000, but separated too, so it's eight megs, Four megs for ear, every, for both of those four apartment complexes with a fence down the middle. You want to mm-hmm. go borrow sugar from your neighbor. It's a pain because you can't cross that fence. With Ryzen 5000, all eight cores share one common yard and the yard is bigger now instead of eight. Uh, did I say eight megs? Eight instead of eight gigs. God, my brain is gone. It's been a very <laughs> long two weeks. You can correct me, Brad. It's now doubled. So 16 megs of L3. Yeah, thanks. Uh, versus eight, yeah, it would be awesome if it were eight gigs, although <laughs> latency would be an issue. But you're looking at 16 megs of L3, very similar to what it did on desktop. AMD said, well, one, you know, uh, changing to that very large cache got us huge boost in gaming. It really does help gaming, you know, game cache, right? And then also, of course, you get the Zen 3 cores, which are completely redesigned from uh, – uh, Zen 2, uh, 19% increase in IPC, all that goodness on a single monolithic die because it's mobile. You go to multiple dies, you know, it may not make the most sense for space, for power. And also a monolithic die using the same pinouts as Ryzen 4000. So basically you take... Basically, AMD took those Zen 2 cores, replaced them with Zen 3, made some a few little changes 
around the chip, but it basically will fit into existing Ryzen 4000 motherboard designs. Thus, we have in January already we have Ryzen-based laptops using uh, Ryzen 5000. So that is the CPU in a nutshell. I got to kick the tires of it on one so far, and it is the spectacular but very interesting uh, Asus ROG Flow X13. It is a 13-inch laptop with a 1610. The one I have is a 4K Plus. That is, what, 3480 by more than a standard UHD panel with a Ryzen 9 5980HS, 35 watts. That is basically the high-efficiency version. And uh, it also, the weird thing about this one, a little bit of marketing here, is the CPU, as I understand, it won't be available for a few more months, but we have access to it now, so you can see the Ryzen 9 5980HS in a 13-inch ultra-portable laptop that weighs about 46 grams more than a Dell XPS 13 two-in-one with, I say, a Tiger Lake. The Flow X13 also has pen and tablet support, A-frame, all that normal, great, you know, 360 hinge stuff. The real brain bender I have with the Flow X13 is it's an Ultrabook, right? Ultra portable, whatever you want to call it. It weighs basically as much as most quad-core laptops with uh, Tiger Lake or Ice Lake or Comet Lake. Uh, U parts, as well as, you know, some of those Ryzen 9 parts, Ryzen U parts, but it's three pounds with a 35 watt, eight core, 16 thread Ryzen 5980HS. So it's like, I know that's the crazy part because it's like they took an H class CPU and got it to fit into a three pound laptop with, I might add, a GeForce GTS 1650 Max Q part alongside it. That's wild. I know that's wild, and the icing on the cake um, is I. The unfortunate thing we'll talk about that maybe as it pertains to the the the, the G four section of this is I don't have the external graphics um, XG Mobile that ASUS makes for the laptop. Unfortunately, oh. apparently a bunch of them got stuck in customs. I don't know if anybody got one. Probably important people like you go. Probably, <laughs> Dave Lee I mean, got one. Dave Lee. Dave Lee got one because he's important. He got one, and that. If you see his video, you could go check it out. It is basically a proprietary uh, 3080, GeForce RTX 3080 in a proprietary external GPU dock using a proprietary cable that connects to the laptop over a BI-8 PCIe lane connection. So it's weird because in one way, it's really the size and weight of an ultra-portable, typically U-class CPUs. But you get that GTX 1650 in it, right. and then you can actually plug in a, a you know a, a 3080 that actually should run as faster than most of the gaming laptops because it's outside, and then also it's over a BI-8 connection, which uh, ASUS and AMD says, well, that's better than Thunderbolt, which is BI-4 plus all the other traffic you got to move and all all kinds of overhead with Thunderbolt. This BI-8 connection is really awesome. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't it, really go ahead. I find it interesting. Like to me, this rug XG X13 with the XG mobile was the most interesting laptop coming out of CES to me. Uh, yeah. And I can't think of the last time 
if this is the first time even that the most interesting laptop coming out of CES was an AMD laptop and not an Intel laptop. Well, I, so. I would say the first time was the G14, though. Which, oh, yeah. Yep. G14 yep. was pretty yep. cool. Yep. It was really cool. Um, and, of course, the G14 is a three-and-a-half-pound ultra-portable 14-inch uh, panel, you know, Ryzen 4000 9 4980, which, 4900, which for the most part gets compared in the review on PC World's page today. But it has an RTX 2060 inside of it. With the Flow 13, they shed maybe half a pound. Losing all that stuff and going to the external dock for the 3080. And it really, this thing, uh, unfortunately, it's over there on the floor. It feels and looks like a typical 13-inch laptop. It basically is the same weight as a, a MacBook Pro M1, uh, as an XPS 13 2-in-1 convertible. And uh, the Prestige 14, this is really, it looks like a regular laptop. Battery size is 62 watt-hours, I believe. And we'll get into that later. Because right yep. now I want to kick off with the performance, but I'm going to kick off this benchmark, which I want to do right now. If we can get yeah. it to run, sorry. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got lots of uh, slides that you sent over, so let's let's get <laughs> some. We got a lot of slides. I'll jam my way through it. We're going to kick it off. We're going to go really fast because some people just want to talk about it. But I like starting off with Cinebench. Yeah, Intel says, "Hey, you ain't doing none of this. No one's doing 3D modeling on a 13-inch laptop." Uh, AMD would laptop. say maybe you can because we give you eight cores of 16 threads, external 3080. So maybe you could actually, as a modeler, be ultra portable, right? So this is Cinebench R20, all threads, and you can see in the brighter red, the Flow X13, mind you, again, three pound laptop, 4881. On its turbo setting, there's a default setting, which is performance, and a turbo setting, which kicks the fans up. Performance is actually pretty well behaved. Um, unless it's a heavy GPU, CPU load, you really don't hear the fans too much. Turbo, you're going to kick those fans up a lot more. But it pretty much destroys the, you know, 4900, the Ryzen 9 4900 HS that's in the G14, and as well as the new core i7. 10875OH eight core <laughs> CPU that is really I'm seeing in a lot of laptops. A lot of laptops. It's not Intel's top end eight core Comet Lake uh, S part H part, but it is. I'm seeing it used in a lot of configurations for people that are going Intel. This is a pretty impressive one because hey, it's faster than Ryzen nine. 4900HS, which itself was a very impressive CPU, and it is, of course, faster than Intel's newest, but not top-end 8-core part. I don't think the top-end 8-core part is going to make a dent either, but again, you're looking at a 3-pound ultra-portable laptop versus a 6-pound 17-inch gaming laptop. 17-inch gaming laptops, CPUs typically, in all CPU load, pick up more performance because now suddenly the GPU ain't doing nothing. You get all these massive heat pipes that are typically shared to cool the GPU. Now the CPU gets that additional cooling, so it probably isn't going to get that much better. Those 14 nanometer parts, as we've been saying, don't look so hot. And, of course, Intel's um, savior, hopefully, is Tiger Lake. We do see the four-core uh, Prestige 14 with the four-core uh, i7 Tiger Lake part in there. Of course, it's about half the performance of the new Ryzen 9 5980HS. We'll see what Dang. happens when we get to, though. I mean, 
the good news for Intel is they say Tiger Lake H is coming. It's got eight cores. Do we, do they hold the thermals and power to basically match the new Ryzen nines or is it going to be not as great? So we'll see. I suspect it's going to be a fight, but that is Cinebench R20. Uh, next up is Cinebench R23. I just want to throw this in there because, you know, this is newer, faster. It is also more of a stress test. It is actually by default a stress test. It's like Cinebench R20 with the latest engine run for 10 minutes, which is far longer than it typically runs. So laptops that actually have issues with thermals typically take a step back. You can see sort of that uh, eight core Comlake H part get about a 10% haircut here. Ryzen still doing pretty well. Uh, uh, Tiger Lake doesn't take as big a, a haircut because, you know, quad core, pretty good stress test. V-Ray next, same thing. You know, you know the story. Multi-threaded performance is faster. That's, that's pretty much everything we know. Uh, last one for multi-threaded performance is 7-Zip 19. This is, in case I've lost, uh, Adam, it's slide four. Again, nope, as you I'm, can see, I'm following. <laughs> eight core flow X13 with Ryzen 9, 5980HS kicking all kinds of butt. No kidding. The horrible performance of that Ryzen 9, 4900HS and the G14, yeah, that's real. I didn't screw it up, believe me. When you see something, a head-scratcher like that, why it's underperforming a U-class uh, Ryzen 7 part, I don't know, but it is. I double-checked it. I re-ran it, turbo mode, non-turbo mode, whatever. It didn't possibly could could be because of the DDR4 versus the LP DDR4X 4266 in that Lenovo. But that Flow 13 looking really good. To be honest, uh, Intel actually does relatively well here. That that A core in the uh, that ten eight seven fifty is it's not bad. So Ryzen Ryzen always had weird issues with compression stuff, though, right? Yeah, it's it's weird because um, some of it, you know, it, I didn't break out the the two different parts of Cinebench because it's just decompressed. There's a compress. Some parts mm-hmm. are compute. Some are memory latency. Some are memory bandwidth limited. So it gets a little funky sometimes, but overall, this is, you know, they're still winning, which is an important part for AMD. What's up with that Ryzen 9 4900 HS? I don't know. Yeah, that's Uh, last year's part. Last year's part, but, you know, multi-core performance of Ryzen is not really something people um, should be surprised by. They have been stomping Intel here for a while. They pretty much lead everyone, including Macs, uh, fanboys. Let's look at single-threaded performance, though. So the next slide is 7-zip. Instead of running all all, all cores, all threads on those CPUs, rerun a, a single thread using 7-zip. Again, it's a composite score rather than breaking it down. But the important part for AMD, because they traditionally have lost to Intel in single-threaded and lightly-threaded tasks, is, look, they're right there. It's... They're ahead slightly, but let's let's call it a tie. Let's let's yeah. let's, let's not kid ourselves. That that is a tie, right? Yeah. That is important. Some people say, well, it should be faster, but look at that Ryzen 7 4800U in the Lenovo Slim, right? That Yoga Slim 7. That is not a great score in single threaded performance versus that Tiger Lake part. Tiger Lake his is really a monster in single threaded performance. Lightly threaded tasks, and it's been the one to beat in a lot of things. And of course, here, um, the common lake H parts get a little bit of a boost because of the increased thermals, but the fact that they're able to step up and basically match, uh, Intel in single threaded, lightly threaded, seven zip is pretty good. And again, yeah, same thing. 
the G14 with the Ryzen 9 uh, 4900HS not looking great. Mm-hmm. We're going to kick on to the next one, Cinebench R20. Of course, now we're not using all cores because reality is not everybody uses all the cores in a laptop. This is Cinebench running on a single thread just to look at it. And of course, yes, yes, I know it's 3D rendering. It's not the same as you're going to get in applications in Photoshop. We're going to get to that later, folks. Let's look at it in Cinebench. As you can see, right there. Now, of course, Comet Lake H is old, 14 nanometer. Even with all the cooling in the world, it's not going to help it in single thread of performance. It's not doing so hot. It's basically right there with a Ryzen 7 4800U in single threaded performance in Cinebench. There's some reasons for that. Uh, Cinebench is fairly hard. AVX is all kinds of other things that might slow it down. But Tiger Lake. Tiger Lake is the thing that AMD is gunning for. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at it, you can see that blue Tiger Lake part is 590. The ROG Flow X13 on default, which is performance still, is 589. Dead even. That is a really solid win in some ways for AMD because look at again, look at that G14, look at that that uh, Ryzen 7 4800U. They're what 15%, 495, 489 for the 4700U. They're a good step back, and this kind of says Ryzen 5000 should compete well with whatever parts Intel comes out with later this year in laptops. Uh, again, Cinebench R23, more of a stress test, although less so because it's single-threaded. You're not really stressing out too much. Uh, just validates what we've seen already. But it does seem you need that extra power. Uh, as you run it harder, the default performance on that 49, 5980HS, it falls back a little bit. But on the turbo setting... I mean, that makes sense. It's a, it's a three-pound laptop. I mean, just to right. say that again. <laughs> yeah. It's a three-pound laptop, but you know, so same thing with that Prestige 14. Uh, that is a 14, that is a light laptop too, and also doesn't have the same coolings. I think it's that's really shaping up to be a battle when Tiger Lake H comes out. It's going to be a real battle, but you know, you don't care about Cinebench, all that stuff. Nobody, Gordon, nobody uses. I'm gonna I'm gonna play Ryan here at Intel. Nobody uses <laughs> Cinebench. Nobody actually does 3D modeling. Is like that. I I get it. I get it. I hear you, man. I hear you. So we actually ran. PC Mark 10 applications on this. Uh, that's basically using PC Mark 10 and also, uh, use, which uses Word, PowerPoint, Excel, and Edge. And it uses real applications that we all pay money for, those of us who pay for it. Wait a second. You just said it uses real applications, but you also said it uses Edge. Well, well <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Chromium. I'm just joking. Yeah. You know what, Brad? Everybody who fires up Edge to download Chrome, they all use Edge. So I think wow, that's... this 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 is a really good Chrome installer. Dang. Yeah, very good Chrome installer. But you know, it's and actually, I think it's actually the reasons why I'm seeing a little bit of weirdness. And so, if you pretend to look away from that Acer Triton 500, which is basically a six-core 108750 with a, a 2080 Super in it, pretend that doesn't exist right now. If you look at the Flow X13, both the default and turbo score, and then you look at the score of the uh, 10.8750 of the of the, that as well as the Prestige, you can see that Ryzen 5000 can actually run with Intel now. I'll tell you, when I did this on only light laptops, Tiger Lake cleaned everybody's clocks. The heavier laptops seem to have a bit of an advantage. 
Um, and thus we see the, uh, Aero 17 with its 3080 actually do pretty well. But, you know, the good news here, you got to pay attention to those darker red bars. The Ryzen 7 4800U in a very light three pound laptop, not so great. Eight cores, single threaded, not really high clock speed, also older cores. That's a, it's definitely behind Tiger Lake, but Ryzen 9 base U parts should duke it out really well in very light tasks, you know, such as office in uh, office. Um, mm-hmm. One thing, though, I I did not expect because when I did this with, you know, thin and light laptops, I didn't think it would matter. But the laptops with GPUs actually do better. And I was actually surprised. I didn't expect because I really would have expected um, older Comet Lake parts to do worse than this because who the hell needs a GPU, but it could be the GPU. It could also be additional multi-threading in Excel too. So maybe that helps it. Maybe there's more multi-threading in the Excel test that they use in PC Mark. And of course, for that Trident 500, I don't know why that score is so high. I will say looking at the sub scores, it looked like a lot of the gain was in edge. And edge can be a little weird because sometimes, you know, you fire up a laptop, you don't have the exact same version of edge. You just have the latest build of it maybe the beta version of it. I kind of wonder if the reason I got that off the chart score for that Acer is because of some GPU acceleration that they're now building into edge. That's picking it up. So I will continue to investigate the good news here, that boring old stuff on office on AC, mind you, I will do some DC, DC, DC tests later. Ryzen 5,000 right there, right there. There's no more. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, yeah, it's not as good. Right. Uh, we're going to move on to some other tasks that are very realistic, also, I think, popular, and generally don't always push all cores. This one, though, can help a little bit. I will add, though, another one I'm talking about is Adobe Premiere, Creative Cloud, Photoshop, Lightroom. Those are hugely popular apps. Just take my money, Adobe, because basically it's Adobe, Creative Cloud, and all the, you know, whatever, the people who couldn't survive on their own, now they're on their own thing. The weird thing about Premiere and Photoshop and Lightroom is you can't separate the CPU from the GPU. Uh, and we should be thankful because Adobe is taking advantage of GPUs of the new hardware we're, we have on the PC. But the scores can be a little wacky because of the different GPUs. We have 1650s here. We have 2060. We have 2080 Super. And we have a 3080. So if you look at the performance here, Premiere Pro... <clears throat> The Flow 13 and that uh, Ryzen 9 does okay. You know, you would expect it to be better, but clearly in Premiere, core count isn't the only thing that matters. Having a faster GPU matters because, look, the 2080 Super, the 2060 Max-Q, and that 3080, they are just all over everyone. So fast fast GPUs matter. Are you planning to rerun this with the... uh the XG mobile, whenever you get that in? Yeah, I definitely want to because I think, you know, I, it would be good to at least feel, get a feel for Premiere and what kind of boost mm-hmm. you're going to get in mobile with a, with a fatter GPU. And the cool thing about the Flow 13 is hopefully I can connect it, run a, you know, run three runs, disconnect it, run a few runs. Um, I suspect that 502, my prediction is it should exceed 
the score from that 108750 with the 3080 in the in the uh, oh god I just realized I called it Aero 17 that was a huge mistake it's the Aura 17 sorry gigabyte Ooh. the Aura 17 uh, just it's been a long week but that that is no joke look at that 3080 862 in premiere yeah versus I haven't tried the I haven't tried the Puget Bench, but yeah, I mean, GPU definitely matters when you're loading up plugins uh, and have a lot of like layers that you need to work with. So yeah, right. They, they've done. Luckily, I mean, this is still pretty new for Adobe, though, is to allow you know really good optimization of, of GPU for that kind of stuff. So no, but it's yeah. awesome. I mean, that is a huge win. That is, I don't know, if it's that additional cores plus a thirty eighty. But that is just all kinds. Of, I mean, you would think the 2080 Super would be a lot closer, but that is a big win for 3080, as well as eight core CPUs in general. So we'll see. Not the end of the story, but clearly, you know, on 1650 with an eight core could be better. Uh, although I will point out Ryzen uh, 9 eight core, even in a power limited platform, can equal the performance of a gaming laptop, creator laptop, with a 2080 Super and a six-core Intel part. So that's still a solid win in some ways, but not we. there's more to come on this. Nice. And, of course, the uh, the ruler of all photo editing software today is continues to be Photoshop. We, again, use uh, Puget Systems. It's a workstation maker in Washington. Got to give them their shout-out. Benchmark is free, by the way. You can download it if you run Creative Cloud and run it. See how fast your laptop or system is. This is Photoshop 22 performance. Same old thing. It just runs the systems through a whole bunch of scripts doing many, many varied things in here. You can't separate GPU from CPU. But Premiere clearly gets a bigger boost from GPU than Photoshop. A lot of people have said, you know what, GPU performance doesn't scale like craziness with Photoshop. We can see things close up, and now the Ryzen uh, 95980HS on Turbo and default is right there, slightly ahead of that 8-core Core i7-10870 uh, in the OR17 and that 3080 on very much lightly threaded tasks. And I say lightly threaded because look at where that Tiger Lake is. It, it doesn't have discrete graphics. There's no 3080. There's no 1650. It's just basically integrated Intel XE graphics in a quad-core Tiger Lake CPU. And that is a very, very respectable score, if you think about it, because it definitely mm-hmm. beats that, you know, right, that 8-core Ryzen 7 in the Lenovo with that Ryzen, that 8-core 4000 part. And it's actually faster than the 8-core, which is interesting. Hmm. It's actually faster than the 8-core um, 2060 Ryzen uh, 4000 laptop in the G14. So Tiger Lake ain't no joke, folks. Photoshop has always liked Intel. Am I right about that? That's the that's the feeling I have in my head. Well, I don't know. I mean, of course, that's one of those things where people say, well, they like Intel. I, I think that's very much a loaded political question of... Yeah, that's not what I mean. Them? Yeah, that's it I, runs better. It has yeah. traditionally run better and Intel definitely higher clocks. And I will say... Um, one of the things that you get out of Prestige, the Prestige 14 and that Tiger Lake part, if you go and look at my in-depth uh, look at uh, Premiere, Photoshop, Lightroom, um, on, on Peace World, just basically look up Creative Cloud, Core i7, and Ryzen in Google, and you'll find it, PC World. And you can see one of the big boosts Intel gets. 
is optimization for filters because there is a filter stage in uh, Puget Bench. I can't remember the exact one, but it's huge. I mean, it just like cuts the time in half where the other laptops might take 30 or 40 seconds. It's like 10 seconds on the Tiger Lake Park. Clearly, there's a lot of optimization that has gone into it for Tiger Lake, even over uh, Kama Lake U, Kama Lake uh, H. So it's not just Intel architecture and high clock speeds. It is also optimization for their architecture, which, you know, yep. is is real. But mm-hmm. Ryzen 5000 looks like it might be able to stand with Tiger Lake. We'll see. We'll have to see. We, we can't really say yet, but looking good, though, because that is not the performance, slower performance you're getting out of Photoshop, which you might have with a Ryzen 4000 part. Last one is Photoshop Lightroom. I love Lightroom. If you're a photographer and you come back from your friend's wedding and you have 900 or 1,000 or 2,000 photos, you don't want to use Photoshop. Photoshop is the wrong tool for that. This Lightroom is a tool to use when you're dealing with an insane amount of raw or JPEG files. And basically, Lightroom, for the test, Puja takes several hundred raw files from Canon, Nikon, Sony. Again, read details of it in my in-depth review of, you know, Premiere on laptops, runs them all through it. Uh, this is less dependent on the GPU, obviously. And you can see that the Ryzen 4000, both the Ryzen 4000U and the Ryzen 4000HS, um, definitely lose to all Intel parts, Common Lake H and Tiger Lake. Those Ryzen 5000s, though, right there. So some of that's GPU. But I think a lot of that is just this improved architecture. You know, 19% increase in IPC that they got out of Zen 3 from Zen 2. It's it's working. I mean, it's right yeah. there. It's right there with Intel in a very common, a very popular application. So this is a solid win, even though they don't beat them, because this has been the weakest part of Ryzen 4000, as awesome as it is on multi-core loads. Between this result in Lightroom Classic and how well it plays Far Cry now, I feel like AMD has eliminated his biggest weaknesses yeah. as far as performance. No, I agree. This is it, it's been all all kinds of win. Uh, we're almost at the end, folks. Almost at the end. This is Topaz Gigapixel AI. I want to get this in here because I do think we do have to pay attention to the fact that Intel has invested boatloads of money into AI, machine learning, and all that stuff. Topaz's Gigapixel is a live application. They make several ones that actually leverage a lot of the DL Boost AI um, AI goodness that Intel has been building into CPUs now for a while. And um, you basically, the application, I what I do is I take an 8-megapixel image that I took 12 years ago, and I now enlarge it. 6x very realistic uh, workload for somebody who wants to do that and look at that tiger lake the shorter bars are better and it's basically 55 seconds on a tiger lake quad core three pound very lightweight fairly limited tdp laptop that just simply destroys other laptops especially that that eight core ryzen 7u i mean I mean, it's, that's 740 seconds. No, 240, 240 seconds for that Ryzen U crushes them. Whew. <laughs> that's a crush. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's, and it's one of those things that when you have optimization for your special sauce, it's awesome. It's awesomeness. And it's really there. Uh, the one other thing Topaz Gigapixel AI will do though is it allows you to also run it 
on the GPU. So uh, it runs under OpenGLs. I understand it. So laptops and desktops with big fat GPUs can get a boost. And you actually see that with the laptops that are beefier. RTX 2060 Max-Q, the 2080 Super and the 3080, they're, they're pretty good. I mean, 82 seconds for Super, 78 for 3080, and 94 for 2060 Max Q. That that is that is respectable. It's not as fast as as a uh, U class Tiger Lake part with integrated graphics, however, which is a <laughs> huge win for Intel. And then look, so uh, you can sort of see the weakness and how much when you rely on the GPU, it's a problem because that 1650, it doesn't cut it. 1650 is not going to compare to a 2060 or a 2080 Super. Um, you're looking at 141 for the 1650 with, even with the awesome Ryzen 9 5980. So is a real thing. I can tell you, you can probably count the number of applications uh, on fewer than both hands. But it's real. It's coming. More and more people are going to support it, and it is impressive when you use it. Well, so. and we got a couple of people in the chat that say thank you for uh, including machine learning benchmarks, Gordon. So, yeah, you know, it would be nice and machine because I've been trying to roll in some kind of like applications. You know, this calls all the way back to Skylake X. Remember, Intel's like, hey, we got AVX five twelve. We got all this machine learning stuff. You got anything a human would use? Well, uh, no. Of course, <laughs> now Skylake X to now. Gigapixel uh, AI. They have an awesome uh, video up sampler. I've used Nero. Um, uh, Cyberlink uses a lot of the stuff. So it's just coming in more and more things. And it, it's real. And these are consumer workloads. It would be nice to see a machine learning workload that probably if, applies to somebody who is not a developer and just to simply, you know, Joe or Jane Sixpack wanting to edit photos and video, which is where I think it matters most. Mm-hmm. I mean, but there's a lot of people who are doing serious work with it. So, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, like, I mean, sort of like those same six pack folks aren't doing heavy, you know, Photoshop or, or Lightroom or well, maybe Lightroom, yeah. but not, you know, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's always, I mean, it's sort of like the argument, like, well, look, Intel says, you know what? Nobody's doing 3D modeling on an ultra book, ultra portable, you know, that's actually, and you know, they have research to show 99% of people don't actually use, you know, cinema 4D anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's okay. I, I, I can believe that. So mm-hmm. AI is probably even fewer than people who use <laughs> Cinema 4D, which is rolled into Premiere Pro, right? There's, and I think After Effects too. It's actually used within those applications. Good point. But, but, you know, it's, it, again, this P, PCs are personal. You pick it for your use. Don't let anybody tell you one thing is the best. You buy this. It, you have to tailor the tool. It's a toolbox. You put the tool in it that you use. You get that for yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to go on. This is just simply, we're going to look at thread scaling, where I take Cinebench R15, very light renderer at this point, pretty old, and I run it from one thread to all the threads available on the CPU. This just gives me an interesting way to see how the CPU reacts to one thread, two thread, three thread, because, you know, applications don't use 16 cores. They don't use 64 cores. They may use eight cores. They may use six cores, depending on the vintage of it. So you can see now Ryzen 9 4900HS in that Asus Zephyrus G14 versus the Ryzen 9 5980HS in the ROG Flow X13. No external GPU hooked up, but it doesn't matter anyway because this is a pure CPU benchmark mm-hmm. nearly. And you can see, you know what? Ryzen 9 5000, 
it's it's a solid win. I mean, ten to twelve percent is a it's a respectable performance gain over a Ryzen nine four thousand part. But it's really the left side of this chart that AMD's had issues with. Intel with Tiger Lake, especially in laptops, has ruled single threaded, lightly threaded tasks. This shows you that they have a big pickup. Uh, on that left side of the chart, we're looking at 27% in single thread performance over a Ryzen 4000 Ooh. versus a Ryzen 5000, 28% in two threads, three threads, 24%. I mean, that's just all kinds of good. And that's really where a lot of people live, right? And what's crazy is Ryzen 4000 was not bad at that. Like it wasn't as good as Tiger. No. Like, no, but they was not bad. So to have 27, 30% improvement over that is, is significant. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, some of the things I've left off, I've left Ice Lake off of here. I've left a lot of Comma Lake uh, U parts because they just know, you know. Mm-hmm. Ryzen 4000 made quick work of Ice Lake and, and Comma Lake uh, U parts. Mm-hmm. Tiger Lake, though, really brought it back to Intel, and this is a really good win, solid win for AMD, and puts them in the ballpark. Of course, let's look at it 8 core versus 8 core. This is what matters. You really don't care too much about Ryzen 4000 versus Ryzen 5000. Uh, eight core CPUs are going into the bulk of gaming laptops. A lot of them Intel, a lot of them AMD. Looking at a Ryzen 9 5980HS versus a core i7 10850H, 10870H, in a, in a six pound gaming laptop. This is the kind of win that people are were hoping to see. They is this is this is this is a huge win. Because on the right side, you're looking at 18%, 20%, 21%, 21, 22, right? It's just right there above that eight core core i7s, so a Ryzen 9 in a three-pound somewhat limited TDP laptop versus a gaming laptop that's twice as weight, is just belting it in heavy all core tasks and to the left side where it really matters look single thread performance gain from comma lake h versus uh, ryzen 5000 20 percent single thread 23 percent two thirds 21 percent three thirds 14 percent in three thirds but you can look at that that's that's a solid win for basically like class uh ryzen 5000 hs versus core i7h i think that is very fair and that's a huge win for AMD. Especially because these 10th Gen H-class Intel parts are still ones that you're finding in newly announced laptops. Like, yeah, they have those Tiger Lake H35 chips coming, but a lot of the laptops that we saw at CES are still using these 10th Gen H processors. So this yeah. is a direct comparison against something you can buy today. Yeah, and a lot of them, a lot of announcements are actually, it seems like they're pushing everybody to Core i7-10870H. There is a higher-end Core i9-8950HK, which you can't get in some gaming laptops. It is decently fast, but it is still 14 nanometer Comet Lake H. And it, you can't, you just, it is really hard to tame the cooling of that CPU to make it compare to a 14 nanometer versus a 7 nanometer part. It just, it's really tough. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's very valid because if you're buying a, creative work laptop right if you're buying something with a 3070 or 3080 in it you know you want sort of the best cpu if you're going to do those cpu tasks so i i think that's valuable one thing i don't know um the 
What I don't know is gaming performance, unfortunately. Uh, that is all about the GPU. I generally don't like to run GPU tests on CPU reviews because it doesn't tell you anything. If you're paying attention to it, unless it's done the right way, it's not that useful. <laughs> and so, easily misinterpreted as well. Yeah, easily misinterpreted because <laughs> I, I will tell you, if you're a gamer and you can't get a Ryzen 5000 or a Ryzen, well, you definitely can't get a Ryzen 4000. If you can't get a Ryzen 5000 with a high-end GPU and you really are just a gamer, not just a gamer, but you're buying it for gaming, that 10870 part, it's still a good part. High clocks, yep. most games are single, two threads, three threads. It's going to be really awesome. And do I want to wait six months to get a Ryzen 5000? We don't know what the supply is going to be like, but uh, those Intel laptops for gaming will be perfectly fine. You get into content creation, though, and it's all going to be about Ryzen. Uh, speaking of, of stuff that you're not including on CPU reviews, uh, Ruru2 asked earlier, I feel like the Apple M1 will need to be in these laptop benchmarks. Why, why aren't you including Apple, Gordon? You know, I could drop a bonus one in because I just I just did them. Um, <laughs> do we want a bonus chart here? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Let me find one because the crowd has asked for so, one. Wait, wait, wait. So you did include Apple M1 and it's in your article. Just... No, no, I did not include that in the article because, you know, I, oh, got it. there was a lot of news to cover recently. Yeah. So to be honest, um, yeah, it's, I just had to leave some things behind. I will give you a teaser. We'll do, I'm going to, I'm going to be fair to Apple because I think it's an awesome CPU for Apple. Let's do, uh, why don't we do single threaded uh, Photoshop and a, a Topaz to make Intel feel good too. Do we want to do those? <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Just give me a second to load them in once they are over. Uh, yeah. Part. It's hard to include the Apple M1 because Macs run their own software on their own operating system. You can't even run uh, whatever it's called, Parallels, the equivalent of Parallels on Macs anymore, right? No. Uh, you. I don't think you can emulate Windows. I don't know if they're allowing yeah. that. I think... Somebody may have hacked one in. I don't know if that's going to be officially allowed. I know people have hacked in Windows ARM mm -hmm. onto M1. I honestly that, can't, I can't see Microsoft allowing that to happen, frankly. No, they don't, they don't even let anybody buy an ARM license. You have to get that as part of a laptop. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be, very, um, I'd be very unhappy if, as a, as, a, as a customer of Microsoft, if I made PCs. Mm -hmm. If they enable a version of Windows that Mac users can run only on Macs, and I'm an OEM and I can't buy the M1 from Apple, I'm going to yeah. be really, really angry and start selling more Chromebooks. Mm -hmm. uh, I would tell you that because that is like that is a shot at wi Windows uh, PC makers at that point. Yeah. If Apple says, you know what, we're going to crush everybody, we're going to sell M1 to HP and Dell and let them make them too. That's different because if you yeah, could buy that and run Windows and Mac OS, well, they would never license it. I mean, you know, yeah. like I don't understand the the unfairness of people think they they shot at Microsoft. They should allow them to do that. At the same time, Apple should let you know Mac OS run on on Windows or on x86. Right? They should release it for general availability for other people, like they did in the beginning. But never they're not happen. going to. <laughs> never going to happen. You could argue, yeah, you know, it costs too much money. We can't support that, but. I think for really it goes it goes two ways. It really if you you know what 
if you were an OEM and says, you know what, we can buy Macintosh OS and sell that on laptops, uh, we're going to do that, right? And mm-hmm. But it's just not – I think people have to think both ways. Of course, the, the problem with typical uh, Apple fanboys versus PC fanboys is it's just always a constant punch, face punch. It's like a fight club. <laughs> it doesn't matter what makes sense or what's fair. It's just simply – you're just punching right. each other in the face. It doesn't matter. To to, to prove your point, uh, the chat is saying that uh, supposedly there is a new version of Parallels that runs on the M1 now. So, oh. uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay, I've I've got them loaded in. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, I I don't even know which one I gave. We you. have Cinnabon <laughs> R23 one thread performance. Uh, Puget. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, we'll kick that off. We'll, oh, we'll kick off with Puget. Oh, okay. I will take, okay. You know what? We're going to kick off with um, uh, Cinnabench. Okay, Cinebench. Single threaded, single threaded performance because I think it's very important. It also sort of takes the core count equation out of this. Remember, M1 is eight cores, Ryzen is eight core. You know, a lot of these CPUs are eight core. Also, this is Cinebench R23, which is native, runs. It's native to uh, M1 silicon. Awesomeness, and you can see M1 ain't no joke. Now, at the same time, if you're you know a fanboy and you say, oh, it's not any good, it is a really good CPU. It doesn't own everything but as you can see cinebench r23 a single run it is a stress test so it probably runs maybe twice on this it's basically dead even with the 5980hs uh you could say that's a solid win for apple because you know what we're running with a you know hs part it's a higher wattage part and we're doing this on basically no power practically five nanometer five nanometer tsmc good stuff and they are right there at the same time, look at that Tiger Lake score. That is 10 nanometer, uh, FinFET, Intel's current best U-class laptop CPU. It's right there too. So mm-hmm. at the same time, Tiger Lake ain't no joke. Uh, what I will be interested to see is a Ryzen 5000U part where it stacks up here. If you want to look at M1, but you know what? Ryzen 5000, M1 and Tiger Lake, single threaded performance, basically dead even. Everybody takes a bit of a win there because, you know, Intel's like, hey, we're doing this and we're twice your your size. You're five nanometer. Why aren't you outperforming us by 2x, right? Isn't mm-hmm. that fair to say? And, of course, AMD can say, look, we're look, we're running with five nanometer parts, too. So I think everybody gets a win here. And, of course, Apple's going to say, look, we are doing this basically with no fan noise, all that awesomeness. So It's all good. It's all good for everybody. Competition is good. I say that now. I may not say that in two years when the Mac continually gets finds itself with a moat between the world of PC and the world of, of uh, you know, Apple Silicon Island, because I do feel like that's going to happen more and more and more. Parallels performance, we'll have to see how it runs, but I, you know, is it really going to match what you're going to be getting out of next gen Intel, next gen Ryzen parts? So. Mm-hmm. It's not basically. It's no longer PC would be a thing I'm arguing. Yep. Okay, let's do Photoshop. Uh, cool. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm showing it now. So this is again what we saw earlier. This is Puget Bench Photoshop 22, <clears throat> largely lightly threaded. So core count doesn't matter that much. But again, big old fat GPUs do matter. Uh, and remember. You can't take the CPU out of the laptop. You can't take the GPU out of the laptop. You buy the laptop. Remember this. You are not buying a Ryzen 5000. You are buying uh, a ROG Flow X13. 
you are buying uh, a Prestige 14 to get to that Tiger Lake CPU. You are buying a whole platform and it comes with the GPU. And you're looking at total performance, total system performance for what you're going to get. <clears throat> and clearly, if you were buying a laptop to do Photoshop and you believe what Puget Bench is telling us, and I have nothing to doubt that it that it's not correct, um, Flow X13 with Ryzen 5000 is clearly the winner. Uh, and you also want other, or you could also consider uh, laptops with big fat GPUs. The the Super does really well. The, the 3080 does really well. The 2060 does relatively well. So if you want to look at, of course, laptops without uh, GPUs, then, of course, M1 versus Tiger Lake. Tiger Lake still faster than the M1. And, of course, Apple fans will say, well, there's a version of Photoshop that's coming for Adobe. It'll be native. We should get a performance boost. Yeah, you probably should. Is it going to be enough performance boost to knock away a Ryzen 5000 with a 3070 in it or a 3080 in it? I, I don't know. I don't know. But clearly, MacBook M1 at about three pounds is going to be slower than a ROG Flow X13 at about three pounds in a three-pound laptop. Okay. All right. There we go. That's the M1. Well, no, we've got one more. Uh, we'll just throw this in. This just, I just, we're going to throw that in. I don't even need to look at it. I'm just going to tell you, look sucks right mac m1 if it's not optimized code if it's really not optimized it's going to blow chunks <laughs> topaz gigapixel ai i tell you i cruise the forums over there it feels like you're a windows pc user in a mac land it feels like almost everybody uses gigapixel ai let's face it a lot of photographers you know the type adam they like macbooks they like that shiny metal yeah Gigapixel AI is awesome sauce, and Gigapixel AI runs awesome sauce, or at least better, on Intel architecture MacBooks. M1 sucks, just blows chunks. Tiger Lake kicks its ass up and down. Get out. Don't even come into the stadium. M1, not even there. Not fair. <laughs> if you're an Apple fan, you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Once we get that optimized for us, we got our AI stuff. We are going to smoke. I'm not so sure that's going to happen, right? You do have to remember when you're told to pull up stakes, get in, get get back on board to the, your your wheel, your carts, your wagon. Start the wagon train up. We're going west. Sometimes things don't survive. There's going to be a lot of applications that will simply never be converted or optimized for M1. They will always be emulated. I don't know if Gigapixel AI is going to do that. I've asked them. They've not said yes, yay, or nay to it. I can imagine because a lot of the coding went in for Intel architecture, it's going to be a serious engineering effort to convert to convert it or optimize it for M1. So mm -hmm. it could be one of those things that just may not get there. It's possible. We don't know. Maybe it will. I hope it does because it's just better for everybody, but it may not get there. And it really illustrates that, yeah, when it's bad, it's bad. So uh, let's wrap up 5,000 mobile so we can get to some uh, 3080 uh, performance. Uh, last thing I want to talk about, uh, sorry, because I know I'm realizing we got to run it. We're going to run out of time is battery life. <laughs> I'm saying battery life is TDB. 
TBD, uh, my Flow X13, I saw about five hours of battery life in a video rundown test. AMD actually said it's about six-ish hours, so I'm definitely seeing less. And I will say, even six hours on a 4K Plus Ultra Portable is not great. Uh, I really expected higher life. I've seen better out of other 4K panels. 4K panels typically chop off a third of your battery life. So even if you step down in the 1080p one, eight hours, if you got eight to nine hours on the Flow 13 with the 1080p panel, uh, better, but not what you really get, especially with a 62 watt hour battery. I mean, it's a good trade off because you got discrete. You got your, you are having an HS part in there. I will say battery life is not stellar. Uh, I mean, I know with Ryzen 4000, I was really, really worried. I'm less so worried about this because I think there's a lot of optimizations to be done. It's a new, these are all new to everybody. I think optimization, I think newer laptops will actually get us back to what we saw. AMD, of course, says Ryzen 5000 should give a significant increase in battery life over Ryzen 4000. So I'm not worried about it. I will say my battery life is eh, not not great, not eh, not great, I, not terrible. I have thoughts about that. Okay. Being, uh, this is a three-pound laptop that has a Ryzen 9 class part in discrete graphics. To me, getting five or six hours out of that is leaps and bounds better than we were even two years ago. In a lot of yeah. parts, no, so, I, and I, I, I agree with that. Keep it in perspective, I, 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 I'm actually really glad to see from CES we started seeing more 1440p displays for laptops because 4K just does not make sense on laptops, in my opinion. I mean, especially uh, a 13 inch laptop. <laughs> yeah, it's like the the text is going to be this big. Uh, if this had a 1440p, it'd be a big, big difference, I think. Yeah, and actually, to and of course, it would be 1600p because. These are 1610 yeah. aspect panels, but I think, yeah, definitely that medium resolution makes a lot more sense. There could be a lot of things like this is a 4K plus panel. It may not exactly be the most power efficient out there because not a lot of people are using 4K, um, UHD, yep. 4K plus UHD panels. That might be it. There might be just a lot of things. So I'm saying battery life is still to be determined. Not alarming, but a little worrisome from what I'm seeing now, but we'll wait and see. Okay. So uh, we can do questions or move on to. Well, uh, I'm just well, through the three thousand stuff. We'll just, yeah, I mean we, we've we've got questions about uh, you know the laptops as a whole, which encompasses the thirty series stuff. So, but the the one question Ziv uh, is asking is, uh, can those HX parts be undervolted? I believe HX should support that because those are unlocked parts. So it is overclockable. It's going to let you know. It's going to let enthusiasts do that. OEMs, I suppose, might even do it themselves, but, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge proponent of undervolting as a solution to something because it feels like as a consumer and by and large laptops and especially gaming laptops are consumer items. You really shouldn't have to go in there and undervolt it and repaste your CPU, possibly destroying it to get the best performance out of your laptop that should be from the factory so hmm. okay then yeah let's uh let's move on to 3080 max q stuff yeah i'm gonna boil this down to four charts all right because oh, I, I got a ton here i look at all just them, gonna... but i'll boil them down <laughs> so for this i wanted to use of course you know the one of the issues with steam is you can't compare any results to something you got three months ago oftentimes there's new versions of the games Makes it a little weird. So these Driver. were freshly run, mm -hmm. current games, 
current public drivers for uh, the Triton. I I know NVIDIA wanted us to use drivers, same drivers for the mall. I really felt that's a little disingenuous because I wanted to use public drivers because that's all the public would have for these laptops. So we're going to do Far Cry New Dawn, which is slide one. Okay. Showing it now. Um, you know, decently, decently good game. 19 by 10 Ultra, 89 frames a second on the Acer Triton 500, 6-core Core i7-10, 750H, and an RTX Super Max-Q versus the uh, Aorus 17. Sorry, Gigabyte, I called you Aero. Same brand, though, at least. Uh, with an 8-core Core i7-10850. Uh, Good Lord, 10870H. I'm not used to using this new one. And, of course, RTX 3080, which I'm calling Max-Q. 89 frames a second on Far Cry New Dawn versus 100 frames a second. Right? Maybe 11, 12% mm-hmm. faster. That's that's going to be like a lot of frowny faces there. Uh, let's do something a little harder. Let's do, uh, why don't we do, how about Shadow of the Tomb Raider? Uh, which slide is that? Uh, that is slide six. Six. Or you can right. skip the other stuff. Yep. In general, I can now. tell you a lot of games that are very CPU bound that, um, also I, these are laptops. I can't run in higher resolutions. I'm running at 1080p. It's really hard to get a lot of these games to not be CPU bound. I'm going to run Shadow of the Tomb Raider, um, basically ultra textures, ultra, um, uh, DXR shadows, ray tracing hardware support. 63 frames a second for that 2080 Super, 80 frames a second for that uh, Aura 17 with the 3080. Pretty decent, right? Pretty decent. And, and neither of these have uh, high refresh rate panels, or they both have 300 hertz panels. Oh, but okay. you know, you run, you run, you know, VSync unlocked anyway. Uh, and that's that's another part of the reason I'm excited to see these 1440p laptop monitors because it feels like. We're really at the end. Like 300 hertz, you're not going to even be able to get that with the CPUs these are paired with in games like this. Yeah. Let's do, okay, I'm down to two more. I'm actually going to slip in. All right, actually, uh, <laughs> let's do, because I got to pick carefully. Let's do slide. Let's do slide eight, which is Quake 2 RTX 1.4 new version. You can run on Vulkan and you can run on NVIDIA. Preferred, we're running on NVIDIA preferred extensions, you know, RTX. 64 frames a second on 2080 Super, 83 frames a second on um, 3080. Very, very respectable, right? Pretty good. So I think the problem, though, is we're going to do this one. And, of course, actually, we're going to slip in something at the end because I think it's something worth calling out. But let's do slide 10. Because this sort of shows you that, and I'm going to tell you, if you're looking at performance of anything that isn't basically completely GPU bound on a laptop, it's pretty tough. But Port Royal is a ray tracing test. It was the original ray tracing test from 3D Mark. This is basically the score of that 3080 as well as a bunch of 2080, 2070, 2060 laptops. And also, I rolled in some scores I lifted from Nate over at Legit Reviews. Got to give you a shout out, Nate. Awesome stuff. These are FE versions of the uh, 30 series desktop cards. And this is one thing that's going to make people really kind of like confused. And some people, I think, possibly angry is in the, uh, on the 
on the 10.8750H with the GTX um, 3080, mm-hmm. it's about 6,300 in Port Royal. So that is, let's look at what desktop cards get. Now, for, let's, to be fair, that is faster than what I saw out of full-on desktop 9 and 10-pound laptops with 2080s tuned up to the wazoo and the fans running like an, an apartment AC. Because for comparison, uh, the Alienware Area 51 R1 with a full tilt 2080 non-max Q part was 5600 part. This is 6300 on a max Q. So faster than that, you got to give it to that. But look, mm-hmm. that's still below a 2080 Super FE. I mean, that ju- is still just below, below. Just below. Just below. That is still below a 3060 Ti. That is below a 3070 FE in, in Port Royal. And people are going to sort of like, what? How is this in a 3080 if the 3080 desktop part is belting out a, practically 11,000 in Port Royal? Why are we down at 6,300? That is a really big haircut. Yeah, and that's the big thing you need to know, I think. I'm actually going to have a story going up tomorrow, I think it is, uh, about all these things you need to look out for with 30 Series because these parts smoke. They kick butt. They're great upgrades, etc. But they're very different from last you know, the last few generations we've seen out of NVIDIA, uh, the last couple of generations, we've seen the mobile parts match the desktop parts core for core in laptops and desktops alike. In this one, uh, this time around, NVIDIA reverted back to giving them haircuts, big haircuts, especially in the case of the 3080. The 3080 laptop version has over 2,500 fewer CUDA cores in the desktop version. It's almost 9,000 versus about 6,000. So it's, it's in like the 3070 has a little bit, it's it's more modest of a haircut, whereas the 3060 actually has more cores in the desktop version. So it's just a big confusing picture. <laughs> it, it has more RAM. It does That's have true. more, yeah, yeah, you get more RAM. <laughs> and I, and this one thing that I think people, you know, and I really, I'm really sort of torn because, you know, if I'm going to say you're going to go out and buy the best gaming GPU there is, hey, 3080, mm-hmm. hands down, the very best mobile GPU there is. But I think people sort of expected that, well, t- the 2080 was just, I mean, it was insane off the chart performance, right? Mm-hmm. So I think people sort of see that branding and they yeah. think they're going to get that in a laptop and you won't. In reality, you never would have, though. You never would have. You're not going to, the 3080 desktop was, what, 360 watt TDP, 700 like that. watt power supply just for the seat, the, the the computer that's not counting the display too an entire laptop runs off of a 230 watt the the Oris 17 is running off a 230 watt uh, power supply 17 inch panel all of that running you, you just can never get desktop performance especially with a 3080 which is basically a yeah. 3080 ti in a lot of ways right you were never going to get that into a in a laptop so i think people might be disappointed i, I do want to point out though For- because i i do have the score a lot of <clears throat> performance you're going to see from 3080, 3070 is going to be very dependent on the laptop, how much power and cooling they're dedicating to the laptop. The Gigabyte Aura 17 has a 230-watt power brick, very well-behaved. Fans don't run like crazy. 17-inch laptop, but as you can see, about 6,300 in Port Royal. The GPU itself... It is not called Max-Q, but it is. It's limited to about 105 watts. So you you basically can't get any more than that, 6,300. You take that GPU, you tune it up into a laptop that gives you more, say this MSI 
GE76 Raider, which I will hold on camera, which has a 280-watt power supply. It is still a 17-inch laptop. I think it's maybe 6-ish pounds. It's definitely not light, but I'm seeing 7,500 in Port Royal, which basically takes it a little bit less than a 3070 FE, right? That is not bad. Yeah, no, that's that's not bad. Huh. But that that points to what I have another issue. It's weird because I think these are great. I'm glad to see the upgrades and laptops, but there's a lot also a bunch of new caveats that people need to be aware of that are far from immediately obvious with these. Like in the past when you had a Max Q part, you knew it was a little bit slower than the non-Mac 2 version. So, you you know, if you were going to go shop and you didn't know anything, you're like, okay, I can get a 1060 Max Q or, you know, I can go get a 1060 laptop and that'll be a little bit faster. Or I can go get a 1070 Max Q if I want to step up. That'll be a little bit faster. And then the 1070 is faster. Like, it made sense. But this time around, uh, NVIDIA added a lot of different technologies to Max Q. And so the Max Q designation no longer is tied solely to the wattage and clock speeds that are allowed for each of these GPUs. So you're not going to see a 3070 Max-Q laptop. You're not going to see that. You will see 3070 Max-Q laptops as in a 3070 laptop that supports Max-Q features, but it's not going to be the GPU name anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's a mess. But the problem is they still allow the vendors. It's not a problem. It is what it is with laptops. But the problem is, they allow the laptop vendors to tune these. They can have drastically, drastically different wattage. They can have drastically, drastically different boost clocks. And so you can't just say, hey, I want a 3060 laptop anymore and expect to get roughly the same performance between things. They could be wildly different scores. I could, like, I would not be surprised if there will be 3070 laptops out there that are in big, fat, you know, chassis you know, crank the wattage, crank the clocks, looking good. That'll be faster than 3080 laptops that are tuned down to the lower end. But that 3080 laptop is not going to be called a 3080 Max-Q laptop anymore, or at least the GPU isn't. It's a mess. No, no I agree, <laughs> because looking at the Aura 17, it is a Max-Q Technologies laptop, which means 105 watts for the GPU. <laughs> the GE76 Raider is 150 Max- watts. Max, no Q Max Q doesn't mean 105. Max Q means they can tweak the wattage. Max Q now means it could have dynamic boost. It could have advanced optimus. It could have whisper mode. If you use any one of those, it's a Max Q laptop. Hmm. It isn't tied to like it's, which are all great technologies and I'm glad they exist, but shopping for laptops are going to be a big headache. Now you're going to want to have specific ones that you're looking for and look for reviews of them. Like, you can't just go box shopping anymore if that's what you used to do. I'm going to have a big piece about it tomorrow. Well, and, that's and good. also, uh, you know, throw in uh, Gordon once you get that XG Mobile, right? The idea of, mm-hmm. of being able to plug in a 3080 Max Q, some sort of, you know, variant, uh, and do it that way. So I, 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 I'm curious to see how that performs uh, on these charts. Uh, but that's, you know, yeah. that's my use case. Uh, well, I'll tell you the the internal score, which I've not validated, so I don't have the XG Mobile. Is if we're looking at slide ten, so again, sixty three hundred for the Max for the thirty eighty with Max Q technologies enabled uh, or seventeen <laughs> sixty three hundred 
uh, MSI GE76 Raider without Max-Q technologies enabled is 7,500. And the score that has been shared with me from AMD for the uh, Flow 13 with XG Mobile is about 7,200 on turbo. So mm-hmm. pretty damn good because that's definitely... I mean, that looks like a jump of a thousand points over the the Arrow S17. Yeah, it's right there between a 3060 Ti and a 3070. But clearly, the you know, the higher wattage part in this uh, GE76 Raider is is even faster. So, it's yeah. much closer to a 3070 Founders Edition. Which, you know, I, and I just real, I was just thinking about this. It's like, are we just so spoiled? Because I was somewhat disappointed. Because you look at like. You look at a lot of those other games, Shadows of Tomb Raider, even Red Dead Redemption, you're looking at 17 to 22 to 23% increase, and you're like, God, now I'm not, you know, why am I not blown away by that, right? Is it unfair? Because, I mean, 30, these 30 series desktop parts were so good. You're like, oh, man, I'm expecting 60% more. And, like, we're, like, almost spoiled by saying, oh, 20%, you know, that's not enough, you know? But Yeah, it's, it's a lot more difficult in laptops because thermals and wattage and all that stuff is a massive consideration, even much more so than desktops. So I, I'm fine with the 20% increase. I just, for me, it's it needs to be clear what consumers are buying, and I feel like this is just a massive headache, a massive cloud of confusion. Uh, and that's the reason I'm bringing up things that I'm bringing up, because... Yes, these are good parts. Yes, I like all these technologies. Yes, I understand why you can't have a 9000 core 3080 in a laptop because it just you can't break the laws of physics. But I think it could just be much better communicated what you're actually buying in these things. Yeah, no, I agree. It definitely is a mess. I hope that gets solved. Um, I do want to slip in one. I'm going to sneak in a slide here. 14. Can we do 14, Adam? Uh, Yeah, we sure can. Uh, How about that right there? So I want to bring this up because it is better. It is the best thing you can get. Is it going to be knock you on your on your butt kind of performance that we saw on desktop with 30 from 20? No. But look at the compute performance. This is something very much worth pointing out. And things that are not limited by the refresh rate or all that stuff or the resolution, we are going from 204 for pure GPU uh, compute test this is v right next 4.10 2080 super max q 204 the 3080 in the gigabyte or 17 415 415 that's a huge increase it's gonna be even better on on this msi but look at i also dug up a couple scores from puget systems they uh showed a score of a 2080 ti fe of 341 in v right next and the Titan RTX 365. So a <laughs> a little six-pound laptop <laughs> is outperforming a Titan RTX and a 2080 Ti in a pure compute, GPU compute load. So, and I will say I ran other compute tests. So you can find them on the website. 3080 kicks butt in compute. I mean, it just destroys 2080 up and down. If you're going to be doing GPU compute, it's the way to go. And you actually can on these. Like, it's funny because we're always like, oh, hey, nobody ever, you know, does uh, 3D rendering on a laptop, which I can understand the sentiment. I don't 100% agree. But, like, something like this in a laptop, that makes this a very compelling, like, if you need to use those compute workloads, like buying a five-pound laptop, even less, a, a smaller one, 
for something like this, like that, that makes this super compelling and totally doable on a mobile platform now. Yeah. No, I mean, really, you have, it is nice that we got this, even though it is not all that of a desktop, it's a big, big step up and makes, you know, those real power users, basically workstation class performance now on mobile is just a life, you know, it's a life-changing event for those people who need that portability. So uh, let's get to a couple questions specifically to this and brad i know you need to to pop out so feel free to pop out whenever uh you need to i got i got 15 or so minutes okay cool um twilight star had asked uh much earlier uh does nvidia dynamic boost work better with intel or amd cpus uh i don't know yet i will say there's been some changes to dynamic boost the old one was less sophisticated the new one uses ai to determine when to move power from the CPU to the GPU. And also previously, the original Dynamic Boost would only move power one way. Hey, no surprise. NVIDIA is only moving power to itself. With Dynamic with dynamic Boost 2.0, they actually will say, you know what? Um, if we sense that the CPU needs more power, and this is not a GPU-limited workload, we will actually send power back to the CPU to increase it. And they also say that they can do that with the memory as well. We'll see how it all shakes out um, as we see more laptops with it and we have more time with them. Um, but it's, you know, it's using AI goodness. The other big change is on 30 series laptops, you can't turn it off. You can't turn it off. On 20 series laptops with a new driver, you still can turn off dynamic boost. Even, um, But the newer ones, it's basically on by default. So we trust in NVIDIA uh, at that point. Hmm. Okay. Uh, here's one. I have from... mixed feelings about that. <laughs> yeah, and of course, if you're wondering, the other thing is like, uh, dynamic boost is up to the OEM to to enable. If they don't enable it, it should work on any any 20 and 30 series laptop. But the laptop maker has to give up something to approve yeah. it to use, and not everybody does, and it's not really clear how that's going to be differentiated either. That makes it even more fun, Brad. <laughs> uh, another yeah. great question from Twilight Star. Uh, maybe this is Robert Pattinson in disguise. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> did Asus gimp their Ryzen 5000s uh, gaming laptops by not offering a DisplayPort I.O.? You know, I don't know enough about the model you're talking about. I'm not sure why there wouldn't be a DisplayPort. It could simply be the design of the chip it's worth diving into i mean originally you know it's a somewhat limited part it only has byte you know pcie 3.0 lanes as we know so i don't know i don't know if that gimps it that much i mean i i have to look into that frankly i did not know that displayport wasn't i mean we'll have to look i'll have to try displayport on the ryzen 7 laptop i have <laughs> unless you're saying did they gimp only the ryzen 7 parts i can't imagine I see plenty of laptops that don't have DisplayPort. They just have HDMI and USB-C and stuff like that these days. Yeah, and a lot of so those. That's one thing I'm wondering is, does the alternate mode for DisplayPort work on Ryzen? Mm -hmm. I imagine it would. I've never tested it because that's one of the things you sort of assume it works. So it's worth checking out because you wouldn't put DisplayPort on a laptop anymore. That should be USB-C's job now. But mm -hmm. if there's no alternate mode, Yep. You're out of luck. Okay. Uh, Sid Lives asked earlier, uh, if AMD desktop chips are hard to get, will laptops be any better? 
You know, I don't know. I think I from I've been asking this of um, laptop makers. Everybody thinks they will have it, but you know, honestly, nobody can predict anything right now. It's entirely possible these things will sell out really fast because people can't get 30 series. You know, GPUs and desktop, they can't get Ryzen 5000s. Hey, if I can get a Ryzen 5000 laptop with 30 series GPU, solves it all, right? My my guess would be they will be easier to get than desktops, just from order of, like, business priority and what sells in the world. Like, thinking about everything that AMD sells on 7 nanometer right now from TSMC, I would still think consoles would be one or two. I would think laptops, because most people buy laptops. Like, we love desktops here, but most people buy laptops. I would think... AMD would prioritize pumping out these laptop chips more than DIY desktop chips, and those more so than Radeon chips. We'll have to see, but I, I, that's my gut set telling me where all this is going to go. I, I agree with you too, Brad, because I think you know people don't realize this. There's more money to be made in laptops, right? Mm-hmm. You can charge more for a gaming laptop, especially one with a higher-end GPU. So higher ASP means uh, translated for us means higher prices means more profits for everyone so i would think they made a, a lot of allocation there and also amd's amd's opportunity is really really big in laptops right mm-hmm. desktop sort of gets to the point where how many more of these desktops are you going to sell laptops just a lot more there so mm-hmm. and of course i predict though within Three weeks, people will be arguing that they should have taken those dies and put them into desktop so I can buy my <laughs> Ryzen 5900X. But it's already happening. It's a business. Oh, are they really? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, before we move on to our, our, our third topic, uh, just a, a quick little one that Gordon wants to, to hit on. Uh, I do want to thank uh, our sponsor, SK Hynix, again for, um, uh, for sponsoring this episode of the full nerd and and other videos that we've been putting up uh if if you didn't catch it uh i did a a fun little video about making your own uh high performance portable ssd uh that actually uh, gordon helped me put together uh so with that, rgb with rgb <laughs> yeah yeah for max, maximum nerd cred uh mm-hmm. so yeah thanks again to Hennig for sponsoring the full nerd uh really appreciate it uh and also we got uh five dollars from penguins on proton uh says the confusion for consumers is done on purpose. They are using every GPU they can they can uh, get off a wafer. I call it micro binning. Mm, I don't know if I'd agree with that. It might be true. Uh, if they know a certain laptop is going to, if we're talking about NVIDIA, if they know a certain laptop is going to be using a lower wattage, lower clocked chip, then yeah, they could bend for that, but I'm not sure if they're doing that or if they just send out the chips that they have. But yeah, yeah, they are using every chip they have and using these cut down version of the 3080 also, you know, lets them use a lot more chips. So that's totally correct. Yeah, and I would somewhat agree with that because it's about branding. I I know, of course, for consumers, you want easy, right decisions to get the most value. That is not always in the interest of a vendor. And let's remember, these are for-profit corporations. I just wish it was like how it used to be, and they put an M at the end. That's it. Put an M. And then, yeah, you know, so if they have, like, the Max-Q one, just make it a 3085 or 3075 or whatever. <laughs> Actually, chat was talking about that earlier, bringing about the M yeah. nomenclature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm with that. I, I'm, I'm, I think 
just like 980 and 980M. Um, I think there should have been 3080 and 3080M to help a lot of people. As awesome as it is, it ain't no 3080 desktop part. Uh, and, you know, I want to point out, when you, for 3080 desktop to 3080 um, mobile is about a 50% loss, depending worse, of course, as you get to the Max-Q versions, but, like, about a 50, 50% loss in performance from a 3080 desktop to a 3080 uh, mobile part. I looked at 2080 FE versus a 2080, well, 2080 Super FE versus a 2080 Max-Q part. It was about 30, 25%. So you just, it was, that is it sense. too slow? Is it 3080 mobile too slow or was 3080 desktop too fast? I, I don't know. <laughs> no such thing as too fast. Uh, well, one last question about the 3080 uh, Ad, Adhinov. Gupta is asking, uh, will RTX 3080 Max-Q laptops have HDMI 2.1? Do you know if, uh, if any of them support 2.1? For some reason, I think it does. I, I know the desktop chips do. Oh, hell. I, I have the... I don't see it. Hmm. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe something to yeah look into. We'll, uh, we, can, we can look at it later. Uh, yes. Oh, the answer is yes. Oh, okay. Answer is yes. There we go. Boom. Uh, then uh, what is the answer to Intel releasing uh, their Iris XE GPU? <laughs> I I don't know honestly. So, I... <laughs> so anyway, uh, today Intel announced that Gordon actually wrote the story, but I edited it so I could talk about it this time and let and let him take a break. Uh, Intel announced today that it's shipping its DG One was the name of it, uh, Iris Z graphics cards out to vendors right now. Uh, as an entry level entry level graphics cards to be used in pre built PCs, so it's not quite how we expected it. Uh, it's only a couple of low end graphics cards. It's not really intended for gaming. Uh, it's only going to be in pre built. But now we have three desktop graphics cards companies. Hey, this is what we wanted, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. mean when you mean low end? How low end are we talking? They're very entry-level. They're, they're not talking about these Iris C parts for gaming, really. They compare it to, like, the NVIDIA MX30 on the laptop side. And interestingly, interestingly, the laptop version of this is actually more powerful than these desktop cards are. They're going to be used more for, like, accelerating encoding tasks and media, things like that. Uh, that's really what it's going to be used for. Hmm. But I'm not – I honestly – I. No, I'm gonna, my perspective on this was I was actually very excited for it. I know it's not mm -hmm. a gaming part, but I had this vision, which originally in my story this morning said, you take your Ryzen 59 50X, you put in your 3090, right? And then under that, you put in your DG1 card because that gets you quick sync, mm -hmm. right? That gives you, hopefully, I mean, it should work that way. You would think you would get a quick sync accelerator. You would get the DP4A, so some of Intel's, you know, AI special sauce. So you sort of have it all in your high-end uh, desktop rig. This can be awesome. And then I got this email saying, um, these cards, by the way, will only work in these uh, B450 chipsets and lower, and it requires a special BIOS to work with uh, what? 9th and 10th gen CPUs. But these are graphics cards. <laughs> they should just plug it to any motherboard and work. 
Yeah, yeah. By special BIOS, you mean that's something they're going to have to provide the the motherboard manufacturers are Well, the cards won't be they won't be sold to you. They're oh, going to be sold it. to that system integrators. Okay. So smaller PC builders, they will put them into basically little tiny white boxes they sell to your corner liquor store or something. Um, <laughs> I'm going to I have the plumber that wants to talk, so maybe 20 minutes. Okay. okay. I have, I need to get out of here in a sec, so. Uh that stinks because I would not be surprised if Intel's contracts with those system integrators say, hey, you got to put this with an Intel motherboard, you know, whatever. Uh, but after those are sold, if they just work like any other graphics card did, you could yank it out and put it into your Ryzen system and have the dream content creation machine that you were just talking about. But locking it to either motherboard chipsets or uh, locked BIOS for the graphics card, I'm not sure. It's not clear. That's a big bummer. I'm very surprised and discouraged to see that, actually. Which yeah, thinks because I'm very excited to see Intel making graphics cards. I have very yeah. mixed emotions. Yeah, that is a that is a wrong move to make, if you ask me. Uh, Brad, would you rather have this or the uh, the new uh, GeForce GT 1010 that came out last week? <laughs> uh, well, I have a Ryzen personal PC, so my only option would be the GT 1010. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it. Uh, okay, yeah, that's right. interesting news. Uh, Brad, Brad, you got to get out of here. Yeah, why don't do we want to just wrap it up now and do a bunch of questions next time, uh, or do you want me to just split? Yeah, let's. Uh, I, I I got two questions. Can you do two questions? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the first one, uh, I'm going to go over to the Q and A. Sorry, we got questions. We'll get to them next week. But there's there's two in the chat that came in uh, that I thought was okay. interesting. Sam Gh is asking, uh, are we facing the death of owning local and physical hardware and the start of streaming everything? No, never. Who's no? Who's pushing that? Anybody who's pushing that line doesn't actually care about gaming performance. Yeah, or performance. It's just not. You're never. I. You never say never. You will never, never get to the latency of a graphics card and CPU and system sitting right under you. Over, and especially like it's also a moving target. What are you comparing to a a 4K 300 hertz gaming panel? You're going to get to that. When are you going to get to that with streaming with latency? You're getting out of a desktop. It's just not. No. Especially with the outgoing head of the FCC saying that three megabytes per second is perfect high-speed internet speeds in America. So, <laughs> But I'm glad to see that there are options. I'm, I'm fine. Like, I like GeForce Now, as obvious. I've talked about a bunch on the show. I'm fine with that. If I didn't have a graphics card right now, I'd be fine using it. I'm glad there's options. Uh, I'm yeah. glad that there's going to continue to be desktop graphics cards as well and, you know, local PC hardware, because that's what I like. So, Yeah, there will be a place for it. There will be a place for everything as long as everybody continues to evolve and move forward. Okay. Uh, last question. Technical question. Uh, Rostad89 is asking, uh, is a Ryzen 9 3900X a good match with a 3070 GPU, or is it overkill? They're going to stream and game on uh, Call of Duty, Battlefield, first-person shooters, etc. You could get by with a 3800X, but a 3900X would be fun. Yeah, it'd be good. I mean, it's going to be better. But you don't need that 12 core chip for that you could get by with the eight core 3800 x okay as a second addendum to that uh also wondering if the 3070 is worth the extra cash over 3060 ti uh if you plan an ultra wide gaming monitor i believe there's a big difference uh if you 
plan on maybe playing at 4K resolution if you're able to, although it's really better as a 1440p graphics card. Uh, in that case, you might want to get just the extra oomph that the 3070 provides. But in general, these cards are great for 1440p resolution. And I think the 3060 Ti is so damn close to the 3070 for $100 less, in theory, uh, that that's the one I would go with. Okay, cool. Then, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, everybody else. We'll we'll get to the uh, more questions next week. Uh, but we have to uh, we have to yeah. get out of here. So, Gordon, why don't you, I have why don't you take us out? Paperwork. Sorry, I got to go fill out paperwork. Eh, no I got to talk to my plumber. So, <laughs> adults, it's awesome being an adult. Yeah. yeah. Also, I'm I'm getting ready to start my attack run. So, <laughs> check back next week for your fix of PC talk on the full nerd for audio listeners. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Send questions and comments to the full nerd at pcworld.com, and also please leave us a review. Every time you do, they have one of those fancy raves on Yavin instead of running from the Imperial fleet that will drop out any second now. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Ung with Brad Charkas. Adios, show. And Adam Patchapar is going to hit the all switch. Join me tomorrow. Game stream, medium, very excited for that game. It's going to be scary. Anyway, see everybody later. Bye.